This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to the Monday Morning Break with me, Kandu Kutik. I hope you're all well, wherever you are. Today, my guest and I will be talking about social and emotional learning, also known by its acronym CELL, in the language classroom. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back, and even better for educators. New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as Tech User Labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. S-E-L, CELL, the acronym for social and emotional learning, is a process through which we, so we being both, excuse me, learners and teachers, understand and manage emotions. But what exactly does this mean? It's not simply about hand-holding or being nice, being nice to each other, holding our learners' hands, following them, giving them support. It actually is a lot more than that. It includes identifying learners' social emotional needs, creating an inclusive classroom environment, self-care, and mindfulness. And cell, (coughs) 
sorry, cell has been shown to have had a positive impact on personal growth and academic achievement, as well as behavior. And cell itself can be implemented at all levels, right down from kindergarten and preschool, all the way up to tertiary education, and even in adult education. And one of the most renowned cell frameworks is divided into five competencies, right? And these competencies include number one, self-awareness, number two, self-management, third competency, social awareness, the fourth, relationship skills, and the fifth, responsible decision-making. Sounds a bit complex, sounds a bit maybe beyond the scope of a classroom teacher. And I recently did read an article. Um, I did read somewhere that teachers teach and teachers are not necessarily equipped or don't find themselves necessarily equipped to work with learners at this social emotional level. It's no fault of their own. It's just not something that's been included in teacher preparation programs. And especially in the second language classroom, it's not something that's been a part of the curriculum for training teachers. In ELT, for example, for those who train either on you know, your in-service certificate courses like those from Trinity or Cambridge, you have different modules, modules that cover subject knowledge, modules that cover methodology, and you have modules that cover language, how to teach English through the medium of English. But developing, um, creating an inclusive classroom, creating a classroom where everyone feels safe, including ideas from social and emotional learning in one's lesson plan is not something that's part of the program. So in this episode, my guests, Luis Javier Penton Herrera and I, will focus specifically on how teachers can employ cell techniques to create a classroom environment that meets our students' social emotional needs, not just that, at the same time, strengthening their social emotional competencies. So it works both ways. What you're going to see or hear actually is that social emotional learning cell works both ways. It's not just teachers being more mindful of the learners' social and emotional needs and being there for them, but also we as teachers teaching our learners, um, you know, helping them to develop competencies. You'll hear shortly in the news um, about challenging behavior, things like bullying in schools is still a problem. There's a culture of non-compliance. There's an increase in verbal abuse towards not, you know, not from teachers towards students, but students and their parents towards the school staff. And um, that's something that perhaps needs to be addressed and perhaps a way of addressing it would be through social emotional learning in our curriculum, in our teaching.
This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back and even better for educators. New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as tech user labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The big political news this week was the launch of the DfE in England's consultation on how best to implement minimum levels of service in schools if teaching and support staff unions go on strike. The BBC reports that education unions who were involved in talks with government over MSLs called the announcement shameful. One of the two options being put forward is to guarantee that vulnerable children, those due to take exams, Children of critical workers and all primary school pupils can go into school on strike days. A leaked DfE document suggests that this amounts to 74% of pupils. In October, Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said MSLs would be introduced with the unions on a voluntary basis at first. But the government could use legal powers brought in earlier this year under the Strikes Act. The DfE says the plans will protect education. The consultation will last nine weeks. All four teaching unions involved in talks reacted angrily to the announcement. Much of the media focus in recent days has been on the inquest into the death of Ruth Perry. The Guardian featured a report focusing on comments made by colleagues of the late head teacher, which focused on her evident distress during the days of the inspection. Much has been made of comments from Ofsted inspectors that Mrs Perry was upset tearful and looked like she was in pain. The inquest began after Mrs Perry's family discovered that its bid for legal aid had been rejected, but a crowdfunding campaign saw donations totalling more than £63,000. 
behaviour in schools has also been a hot topic on both sides of the England-Scotland border. The Dunfermline Press reported that Fife Council's education chiefs are trying to curb a rise in violence in schools, but they don't believe in negative consequences. Instead, children learning about bullying should be an empowering experience. In a new version of the anti-bullying policy, the aim is stated that children do not bully others because they understand the harm it causes and choose not to cause such harm. It goes on to say where children do choose to bully, we need to engage with them educationally, supportively and restoratively rather than punitively. Comments on the paper's website, however, appeared to show disapproval of the policy, with one comment describing it as utter nonsense and another saying it was psychobabble. The draft policy has been issued to head teachers, guidance staff and educational psychologists for their views before schools are asked to create a personalised policy for their setting based on the final draft. Meanwhile, over the border in England, The Guardian reports that head teachers are describing a culture of non-compliance among pupils and parents. Whereas once a parent who was called into school to discuss concerns was likely to be broadly supportive of teachers' decisions, now heads are saying parents more often side with their child and take to social media to register their feelings. Many heads also say that behaviour has changed from having to deal with lesson disruption to managing internal truancy, as pupils come to school to socialise but refuse to attend lessons to learn. Some leaders also highlighted an increase in verbal abuse and swearing. Head teachers also pointed out that whilst challenging behaviour is nothing new, non-compliance is on the increase, and the reduction in the availability of specialist support services has made matters worse. One leader summed up the current situation. Since COVID, people seem to be far less tolerant, and that includes pupils and parents. Popular quiz show University Challenge is in the news as the BBC reports that a Christmas episode has been pulled after two contestants complained about a lack of provision for their disabilities. According to the report, contestants were not provided with promised audio description for visual images or subtitles to help with audio processing. The BBC agreed to withdraw the episode after the complaints were received. Finally, the BBC features a report on a civil servant who quit her Whitehall job to retrain as a teacher. The former employee of the DfE began teacher training in 2022, and Ms Melbourne is just one example of over 35s joining the profession, according to charity New Teach. Research suggests that recent graduates are shunning the profession but older people are stepping up to fill the gap. Figures also suggest that older starters stay in the profession longer than the national average and are more representative of society in terms of gender and ethnicity. Could this be a solution to a recruitment crisis? This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. So that has been our Teachers Talk Radio News with very, very interesting things that I think we might pick up today in our conversation with Louise. Louise, you are there. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm doing well. Can you hear me well? I hear you very well, Louise. That is excellent. excellent. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. I'm really, really excited to talk to you about CELL. First of all, Luis, um, can you um, share with us your teaching background? I know that you teach English and you've taught Spanish 
and you're now based in Poland and you're still also currently teaching English, English for academic purposes. Yes, yes, that's correct. So my teaching career goes back to the U.S. and I started teaching first in adult education in nonprofit organizations, community organizations, and I was teaching English as a second language and also Spanish uh, literacy for adults, meaning uh, adult immigrants or refugees who arrived in the U.S. with Uh, without uh, print literacy in their native languages. And then after that, I went to K through 12. So I taught Spanish and English in elementary, middle, high school, all grades, pretty much K through 12. I taught throughout my career, either English or Spanish. And then now I've been here in Poland uh, for over two years now, and I'm also teaching English for academic purposes, but also I'm teaching uh, also Spanish. So pretty much I'm, I'm very much, um, you know, a Spanish and an English teacher, whatever they need me, I'm glad to be there. <laughs> That's excellent because that actually um, puts you in a very, very good position to talk to me um, about cell. I mean, what you've told me doesn't, tell anybody about your, you know, your qualification to talk about cell. But what I was saying earlier about cell, social emotional learning is that it can be implemented at all levels. And you've taught, you know, basically at all levels. So I'd like to hear about that. And as I was saying, Louise, I wanted to focus on, you know, how we can, um, as teachers, employ cell techniques to create an environment where you know our students feel safe we we've heard in the news just that, that that have just been played we i heard the phrase you know vulnerable children right and then um the rest of it was about behavior in schools there's this rise in violent behavior and um the, one of the minister's policy was to engage with the students i'm just quoting here engage with students restoratively rather than punitively that means rather than punish students for you know undesirable behavior that we engage with them and then there's that non-compliance there's more verbal abuse and swearing people are less tolerant so tell us louise maybe give us a little background what is cell beyond what the three words say Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for that question. And I was actually going to go into the topics uh, that we, we heard about in the ads. So, mm -hmm. uh, but let me also just share first the, the definition or, um, I mean, there's so many definitions of social emotional learning, but the way that I see it, I think that the simplest way that I could explain it is that social emotional learning is the process in which we learn the the social and emotional skills that we need to be successful, not only in school, but also in our lives beyond school. And this is something that in specifically in formative or formal school settings, we tend to prioritize academic skills, which is perfectly fine because we do need those skills, mathematics, science, language, uh, social sciences, etc. Those are fantastic skills to have. But for me, in my view, uh, in the, the community of SEL, we see that as only part of the skills that we need to be able to be successful in life. As we know, as, as adults, we're, we're going to be using all of those skills in our lives, in our, in our context, you know, whatever we go in our professional contexts, but we're also going to be very, very often using communicative skills. We're going to be using um, emotional management skills, all of these things that are connected to emotional intelligence. And those skills, unfortunately, 
have been kind of made um, invisible or neglected in formal school settings. And that's what we're saying, social emotional learning, it's 50% of the skills that we need in addition to academic mm -hmm. skills are the other 50% that we need to um, educate students on, that we need to help students develop during their formative school years. So when they're adults, they're able to understand first how their actions have consequences for themselves and others, but also how they can understand how they feel, they can verbalize it, they can communicate with others better and respectfully, and then use those, uh, those uh, emotions that they have ex experienced in their lives as sources of data, as information that they can learn from. Mm. Uh, what, what you said earlier was interesting that, I mean, it's, it's a given, you know, we have to have the social and the emotional skills as adults in our workplaces and our encounters with other people. And it seems that there's simply this assumption that will develop those skills anyway, right? The focus in compulsory schooling in university is teaching to the test, getting that paper qualifications. And, you know, when you're done with that, you go into the workforce, you've got your content knowledge, you've got your subject knowledge, and you'll develop those other social and emotional skills to deal with the world. That's I think that's the assumption. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's the problem right now of formal schooling. And in reality, uh, social emotional learning in many contexts is being um, used as a political terminology that we can go into later but you know the idea of social emotional learning going into schools is that we're acknowledging education is changing because society is changing and we know that education is a microcosm of society so when society changes i mean think about new generations technological mm -hmm. advances this is where we are education needs to change and we're teaching this younger uh, generation of, of students now who are you know very much technologically inclined they're, they're technology natives we're going into the future and we're, we're using the same formal uh, education um, um, context, you know, the, the same the same template that we've been using for years. It doesn't work anymore for them. It's not appealing to them anymore because it doesn't reflect the reality. It doesn't reflect the young young children's perspectives of the world that they want to live in. And mm. it doesn't reflect the globalized uh, right now. Globalization is ever present where perhaps, you know, 80, uh, 50, 80 years ago, it was not as, as prevalent as it is today. So all of these things, they're really pushing education to really reconceptualize what do we need to focus on? And we mm -hmm. do see some countries now changing a little bit their educational approach. But for the majority of the part, uh, you know, the majority of, of countries and, and places around the world, education has remained the same. And it, that doesn't work anymore for newer generations. I mean, in, in one of the ads, just for example, um, I, I heard that um, children and, and they were going to social media to share their feelings instead yeah. of, for example, talking to people. Why? Because then they, they have in social media, talking about technology, they, mm -hmm. have, they feel that in social media they can be heard they can connect to other people, you know, this human connection, that's one uh, of the elements of social emotional learning, you know, being able to communicate with others, to connect with others, 
for others to actively listen to you. You see, now the, this younger generation is going to technology, which there is nothing wrong with that, but you know they're resorting to technology because it seems that we have lost that in, in our human uh, communication. And that's what social emotional learning, that's what we're hoping to do. When uh, technology continues to become ever present, we want to make sure that we we cultivate the skills, the, the the abilities that we have to have as human beings, which is being empathetic with one another, being able to communicate successfully with one another, being able to listen and you know and connect at a human level. Those things are things that we cannot find in artificial intelligence or technology but we're, we're we're not doing that right now in school unfortunately mm. i i want to pick up on what you said about communication and how you say it has changed and that brings me back if i look back to my days in school you know both elementary school and um, at secondary school level at high school um just the environment that we live in right the community that we live in is so different we had extended families we were you know after school we'd be in the yard in the schoolyard or at home out on the street playing with each other so there's a lot more of that physical personal human contact and when exactly. i compare um children or young people today their lives are so busy i mean i at secondary school when i was in high school I'd finish at one o'clock, half past one, and then I had we had time for our extracurricular activities after, or we'd go home and we'd meet up with the other kids in our neighborhood. And when I look at my kids, my son's in primary school, he's in school till four. I mean, he's in school till four, not because he's, you know, in classes until four, but he's in after school care, right? Because now in many families all over the world, usually, both parents are in full-time employment or both parents work. So the kids have no one who could take care of them at home. So they have, we have after-school care. I know they have that in the UK as well. You have clubs where kids go after school. So they're not at home. My daughter's in school or doing after-school stuff three, four times a week until four or five o'clock. So the only people they're in contact with are, with the people they see in school and after school. And then they have all their social media. There's lots of things that's really popular at the moment. Be Real is popular, TikTok is popular. The way you communicate with each other online is very different. And I think that has an impact on how young people or people today perceive communication. Oh, 100%. And, you know, uh, one element actually that connects to your previous question is the fact that before it was assumed or is still assumed that social emotional learning skills are going to be developed because usually parents back home would help uh, students, you know, uh, would teach them values and, and social practices, emotion, emotions, not so much culturally speaking, there mm. is still a taboo in many cultures around emotions, yep. but, you know, social norms, etiquettes, values, etc. The thing now is that, as you said, you know, um, life has gotten so incredibly expensive. It's just the way that the world works right now that usually parents have to go to work. It's no one's fault. You know, it's, it's just the, the way that life works right now. And yep. children, they're always connected 
some somewhere online, you know, the, especially in technology based, um, you know, social medias and things like this, there is so much information. And uh, definitely that, that that form of communication um it's it's definitely different for them you know this is also something that for example when we think about teachers and just in education specifically in linguistics for example when we think of communication traditionally we think of two people talking but that's not really communication anymore you know communication yeah. it's really expanding and uh, we're still trying to figure out what communication what are the boundaries of communication you know what does that mean how do we redefine it the the new generation they're definitely um I would say much more literate in what communication really, really looks like today mm -hmm. than uh, you know older generations because they're growing up in in a world that is com constantly communicating with them and to them different things, which also brings us to the topic of social emotional learning. How do we learn to set boundaries? Because after a while, we become overwhelmed. I mean we see how burned out many, many people, especially teachers, we are from everything, right? Um, so much work, yep. so much continuous uh, communication everywhere. You know, in communication, we can see it as street signs, social media, uh, we can see TV, uh, you know, news, all of this. It's, it's just a lot of information. So how can we set boundaries on the information that we consume, on the, on the communication that we engage with? Um, all of these things are, are abilities abilities or skills that we have to learn and that's through social emotional learning but again we have not been taught in in formal school how to do these things right exactly so and in our training right i mean um i teach the way i do um at at the personal level so you know i have my content knowledge i have my methodologies and my pedagogical knowledge but what i do as a person in the classroom and how i interact with my own learners um, is very much informed and influenced by the kind of person that I am. But I have never had in any of my training, you know, any formal teaching, any course that says that has kind of helped me guide my my teaching at that social and emotional level. We have things when I think about it, you know, in terms of formally teaching. Um, these social and emotional competencies, I think I only remember it from when when my son was in kindergarten where, you know, they'd, he'd come back and he'd say to me, oh, we can't do that because I was told by my teacher, we don't do that. That's not nice. Right. So that kind of, you know, helping learners, helping young people develop a sense of what's appropriate behavior, what's not appropriate behavior, or language, helping them deal with emotions when somebody's upset. They'll be asked, you know, why, why are you crying? What's wrong? And how can we deal with this? And when I look at my own university classroom, and, and when I think about teachers in at higher levels of schooling, in compulsory schooling, you know, post, post 10, post 16 um it's all you know classes are bigger it's all a rush to the end every week every term and teachers might feel that there's no place in their curriculum or in their day-to-day -day teaching to stop and breathe to hold hands to ask somebody how are you doing today 
Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's something that um, that's a, that's a common uh, and thank you thank you for that comment because that's a, that's a common misconception also when we think about social emotional learning I I see that many teachers think of social emotional learning as something separate or something additional mm. but it's actually especially in uh, when we think about social emotional learning and formal schooling. Um, these are things that we've been doing for a long time. I mean, we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for example. Yeah. And we focus on safety. All teachers know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or most of us, right? And right. when we think about safety needs, that's the first uh, step that we need to take care of for, for ourselves, but also for our students. Because social emotional learning, by the way, is for students, but also for teachers. I'm going to go into teachers uh, in just a little bit because you, you reminded me of teachers and, and SEL. But, um, you know, when we think about, for example, safety needs, uh, belonging, all of these elements we've been taking care of in, in our classrooms, in our practices, but it's just been very superficial because as you share, you know, in teacher preparation programs, unfortunately, we know, we, we hear, you know, make sure that, that we take care of student safety needs, that they feel welcome, that they feel like they belong in the classroom, but we don't go beyond that. Right. And, and that's the problem that we need to go deeper into it. For example, in language teacher preparation programs for language teachers, uh, we usually talk about lowering the effective filter, which means that, you know, when students have a high effective filter, um, that means that their effect, effective, uh, meaning, meaning emotions, you know, their emotions are kind of, um, they feel frustrated or anxious, so right. they're not able to learn effectively. So, you know, uh, when we lower it means they, they feel welcome, uh, they feel less stress, they feel ready to learn. So this mm -hmm. idea of lowering the effective filter, we usually in language teacher preparation programs, we just say that, but we don't go deeper into how, how do we do it, right? What are practices to do that? That's social emotional learning. So, you know, social emotional learning has always been present in teacher preparation programs, but we have just at the surface level, we haven't gone deeper into it. And that's the problem. So um, anything, anything can be uh, social emotional learning as long as we're taking care of the social and the emotional aspect, right? So we don't always have to talk about, for example, emotions and how to process emotions. That could be a fantastic class, but it doesn't have to be about it, right? It's just right. how we reframe our activities. I could give you an example. I was talking to teachers recently, and I'm going to go into the topic of teachers now. I was talking to teachers in, in one of the classes that I was teaching for uh, a language teacher preparation program at the university level. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how to introduce uh, topics to students or how to, uh, you know, like a warm up activity and this and that and how to organize our classes. And then we got into this topic of one of the students disclosing to us that, um, you know, he's he's not a, a pre-service, he's an in-service teacher, so he has experience teaching. But somehow we got into his story of during his first year, it was very difficult for him. He knew all of this information, but he would get very nervous getting in front of the class. And then, you know, he would freeze and then he had his lesson plan prepared, but he would forget, you know, because... He, he was dealing with anxiety and all of these things yeah. you know, in front of students. And then that was a good opportunity for me to stop and say, okay, let's talk about this. When we uh, are, especially when we're novice teachers, how do we deal with these emotions? You know, how can we, because as teachers, we're human beings as well. Many people forget this, but how can we deal with anxiety, with, with feelings that we do not want, that, that are not helpful when we're in front of the classroom? And then we just 
stop the class for a moment and then I took that as a learning opportunity. So in that particular instance, that was a social emotional learning activity where we were still talking about introducing information, but mm -hmm. you know, making sure that we take care of ourselves as teachers and our emotions. How do we regulate? How do we manage those emotions? That's essential in, in language teacher or in teacher preparation programs uh, in general, not only in language, but in generally speaking for teachers. So we don't talk about this in teacher preparation programs. Uh, and that's why I, I feel that the highest percentage of teachers leaving the profession are usually novice teachers. There is research about this. but Yeah, my, and it was mentioned in, in the news, right? Yes. They say um, that the retention amongst younger teachers right there and um is is not very high and and i think maybe that's that's part of the reason they 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 come from school they go into their training and then they they go into teaching and i suppose um the advice i i'm sorry i'm 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 really awful i i have teacher candidates and they do say things they do express things like anxiety and fear and I think my go-to answer, and now that we're in this conversation, my go-to answer is so lame because I say to them, it gets better the longer you're in the profession. And I think... Well, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a lame it's answer. It's just... Not, but it's not helpful because, you know, we, we've not dealt with it. I've just, you know, I've, I've kind of swept it under the carpet. I've just said, you know, yeah, it'll just get better. Well, as teachers, you know, Kanduk, as teachers, we do what we can until we know better and then we do better. Okay, <laughs> so, I'll do I'll do better, maybe not tomorrow because we're on strike, but I'll do better on Friday. <laughs> on Friday, yes. On you know, Friday, I'll do better on Friday. It's a learning, it's a learning process for all of us. That's why I love education too, because it's a lifelong, it's really a lifelong learning process for all of us, for all of us. It really is. Mm. You know, and, and when we think about anxiety, I usually talk to my students, for example, my, my teacher preparation program students, and I talk to them, we go deeper into anxiety. Okay, what is anxiety? How does it look like? So we have to recognize how we feel with anxiety. For example, for me, I always tell them public speaking has always been an issue because I, I stutter. It doesn't look like it now because I have been, uh, you know, learning how to regulate stuttering. I used to, my stuttering used to be terrible when I was little. I couldn't speak uh, a complete sentence, for example. It was very difficult. But then, you know, just going through kind of regulation uh, activities with myself, repetition. So, you know, I would go, I would explain to them how anxiety uh, looks like for me, for example, and then mm -hmm. how I deal with anxiety, especially in public speaking, I tend to hold objects, for example, uh, like a pen, a pencil or something when I'm speaking in, in class, every time I'm teaching, you will see me holding something in my hand, a pencil, right. a pen, uh, uh, you know, a marker or something, because I mentally am transferring all my anxiety into that object, for example. So that, that's a transferring uh, technique. So I would, you know, introduce to them this concept of anxiety. What it, What is it? Uh, what does it do for you in your body, right? It, it makes you tense. Maybe you're your breathing becomes like faster, that affects your voice, et cetera, et cetera. And what are some strategies that you can use that we go into strategies? These are things that they can learn, but then they can also teach because strategies can be taught to other people as well. So they yep. can teach those strategies to their students in the future as well. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a full circle. You know, we're learning together, but then they're going to use it with their students and hopefully their students will be able to use it in their lives in the classroom, but also beyond the classroom. I think that's really interesting and the way you describe it it's 
really it's acknowledging it's acknowledging that these feelings do exist it's acknowledging the person as well right the person and let's say here in this case um their fear their anxiety acknowledging the person and not just sweeping it under the carpet it's also acknowledging i think that different people for different people anxiety manifests in different ways uh and some people are better at controlling these emotions you know and it's not just anxiety it can also be anger frustration that we all have both teachers and learners and Absolutely. i think recognizing it i think you know just uh, maybe maybe what's what my kids have been taught in kindergarten or, or in certain other contexts where they're told no we don't do that right is it's a totally different thing from saying you know why did you do that and how do you think the other person feels Mm -hmm, exactly. because you've done that yeah that's really interesting so um how can we create a classroom environment we as teachers and incorporating our students louis how can we create a classroom environment that's inclusive that meets our students social and emotional needs and at the same time helps them develop their competencies in this area yes and you know i i do think of um inclusive classroom environments and that takes me into this uh, idea of usually we in, in teacher preparation programs we think about classroom management techniques for example how to manage the classroom but through yeah. sel because it becomes i see sel more more than a practice and strategies and approaches i see it as my own pedagogy i approach everything through social emotional learning that's my I, I tell my students, those are my glasses. I put them on and I see everything through that lens of social mm -hmm. emotional learning. So I don't think of classroom management. I don't think of me managing my students. I see it as a classroom coexistence. So from day one, I talk to my students about this is our space. And we want to make sure that all of us feel first and foremost, we feel respected and mm -hmm. we feel appreciated and we feel welcomed. And for example, when I was teaching K through 12, I would do the first week, uh, for me, it was essential for my students to um, work in groups and, and community. And, and then we would do activities where by the end of the first week, we had for each class that I was teaching, we would have a classroom, um, classroom phrases or, or agreements that all of us agreed on that that's those are the things that we needed in our classroom to feel respected to feel welcome to feel appreciated and um you know so those will be the agreements that we would um, have for each class and then every time we would be deviating from that then I, because i would put it somewhere on the wall for each class so that i would point to it towards it and i was like okay are we following these agreements that we right. Uh, identified right so it, it's always about how do we coexist in this space and and that's probably why i i feel my students would always come to to my classroom happy and and they knew that our space was always a space that, yes, of course, I wanted them to learn the language. That was the priority always, but they always knew that they could come and talk to me. Sometimes I had students, for example, that were working until one, two in the morning. And even in high school, you know, because there were already adults that were 19, 20 years of age. And then they would come to our class at 745. 
I mean, you know, they would tell me, teacher, I'm, I'm a little bit slow today. I, I worked until 1 or 2 a.m. And I'm like, okay, I got you. Don't worry. You know, right. so they knew that they could come and talk to me. And th this, I, I feel everything starts with respectful relationships, just making connections with the teacher, but also amongst classmates themselves. And that's how I, I feel that inclusive classroom environments are built just by understanding each other. Look, this is what I need to feel welcome, safe, included. And we're going to make sure that it takes practice, by the way. It, it's not something that is it's easily uh, said and done. It, it takes time and, and continuous communication with students. But at the end of the day, if we all agree that we're going to be in this classroom and we can respect each other, then I, don't, I didn't have to even think about classroom uh, management as we, as we think anymore. Students would take mm -hmm. care of it themselves, you know. And I had also students who had special needs in the classroom, and I didn't even have to mention anything. I would put students in specific groups, and someone would take care of them. That would, you know, guide them through learning. And it was, it was also for me. It was more of a community. You know, at that point, it was a community that they they work with each other, they supported one another. So that's social emotional learning in action, just creating a community in the classroom. It takes time. It takes yeah. a lot of, of uh, communication with students. That's actually very, very interesting keyword, I would call it, that you mentioned is that coexistence. And two things um, struck me, this coexistence in the classroom, right? And from that, the communication that happens, the interaction that happens, that you don't have online because online, I mean, you know, I when I think about my students and how much they do online and communicate online, it's just a communication, but it's not necessarily a coexistence because they, it's, it's, it's not multimodal necessarily. It's just, you know, written communication. It's, and it's not in real time, right? So even if they'd said something that was not appropriate, that, you know, by the time perhaps the other person gets the message or reads the message, there's, there's that time lag. So they mm -hmm. don't get to deal with it, right? They don't get to say, hey, that was not cool. And also, I think when, when I look at young people and, and hear things from my students, if something's, um, as they say, not cool or the communication was was off, they just ignore it. And you can't do that in a community, in a classroom, in a place where you coexist, whether it's at the workplace or, um, you know, in, in any other, say, kindergarten group or school group, you can't, you can't, you have to coexist. So you can't ignore um, negative situations. So that's yeah. the one thing. And the other thing that, that you mentioned is that this saying to your students that you have this, you, you tell them that this is our space. And it's actually something that I do in all my classes. I say, you know, this is your safe space. This is our space. And then, you know, we make a joke out of it. We, I say to them, I say, whatever happens in this classroom stays in this classroom. So, and because and, I teach English language, to non-native speakers, right? And and you have students, as you know yourself, you'll have those who are not confident at speaking English. They're afraid they'll make a mistake or make many mistakes and then others will laugh at them. And for me, that's what I mean to them when I say this is a safe space and whatever happens here stays here so that everybody knows that even if they've said something that 
wasn't correct in English or that expressed themselves wrongly, nobody's going to go outside the classroom and, and laugh at them. And my students find that very, very helpful. But like you say, um, it takes practice. It, 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 students need time to, I think they don't hear it a lot. And when you do have a teacher who says that, they, they don't know how to deal with it. Yes, and, and, and that's something that I, I do notice sometimes, especially just because of social emotional learning, my approach to teaching might be a little bit different um, to other professors, for example. So I do know now, for example, at the university level here in Poland, for some of my students, it takes them a little bit of time to understand you know, the fact that I'm very um, conversational, they, they can mm. approach me, they can, because here hierarchies are very much present at the university level, but I'm not here to teach them, I'm here to learn with them. And I tell them from day one, and I tell them, I don't lecture, we learn together, we're going to do a lot of activities. And we do my, my definitely connected to social emotional learning, student center instruction, my, my yep. teaching is very student centered, I focus on them and the entire learning experience is surrounded by student, students doing the, the activities, not me lecturing. Because that again, that that's go that goes through my um, my lens of SEL, which is focus on the student, educate the student, focus on on everything that they're learning. It has to be involving and surrounded by uh, student center instruction. But then also in addition to that, when you know some of them at the beginning they don't know how to respond to that, but they get more comfortable um, as we go. You know, as time goes by, and then they they understand that they can come and and talk to me at any time. That I'm here to help them and I let them know. Also, because I'm here in Poland, I'm learning Polish now. And um, every time if they make a mistake, uh, just yesterday, for example, I, I was teaching Spanish. And in, in my class, everyone, yesterday's Sunday, because we have Saturday and Sunday classes. All <laughs> so, right. Okay. Yeah, yes. I, I was trying to get my head yeah. around that. Okay. Got yes, it. yes. We have weekend classes too. But yesterday, you know, one of the students made a, a, a tiny mistake in pronunciation and then she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And and I'm like, oh, please, you should hear me in Polish class, you know, and then mm. kind of I turn it into a, a joke that we could all laugh about. But, you know, those are also some things that social emotional learning teachers, we can have always a few lines here and there to diffuse tension. And, and they're seeing because students are always watching. They're seeing how I manage tensions, conflicts. And, you know, those strategies, we have to have teachers. We always have to be able to have two or three strategies ready for us to diffuse tension, to diffuse any any uh, conflict that might arise, you know, that might happen in the classroom. So how do we deal with that? And, you know, I always have two or three that I, I just say it out loud. For example, when I, I ask for volunteers to respond and then everyone is it's quiet, I'm like, oh, please, not everyone at the same time, just one person at a time, please. <laughs> you know, and then everybody starts laughing. And so they, they start seeing how um, the little things that I use, it's, it's something to bring us together, but also to diffuse some of the tension or the space that might be awkward for some students, right? And then right. you can see how that invites them to be a little bit more uh, jovial. They, they start making jokes every now and then. They start um, feeling more at ease if they make mistakes, right? And and that's always wonderful to see for me as a teacher. Mm. Well, I suppose what, what you were saying, you know, that about your, you know, your style being conversational. Uh, I'm very much like that as well. 
And I do the same thing. I'm learning German and not too long ago, I learned Swedish and we bring that in into the classroom. I bring those, I bring my lived experiences into the classrooms. And and the students here where I am, they find it quite unusual. And, and my kids report the same thing as well from their school that this hierarchy exists. Um, maybe not call it a hierarchy, but, but there's that divide. You're the teacher. You, there's a code of behavior that you need to follow and your life is your life and and we're here you're here to teach us and as soon as a teacher asks somebody about or picks up some aspect that's not part of the curriculum or the course content it's suddenly it's it's like oh whoa what's going on here that's wrong you know or, or it's for them it's unusual my my daughter shared they had um she changed schools um, in April this year. She she switched to a different school, um, which really did wonders for her social emotional development. And she said to me in the first week, they had a German class test. And no, they had the test in the second week. So in the first week, in one of their German lessons, she reported that they talked about stress they talked about failure as she said she had expected that they would be doing something related to the content of the of of the test next week the following week and she said you know but the teacher he sat there and he talked about grades and he said you know you all think you have to write an a but that stress that's coming from you i'm i not pushing anybody to excel to write you know this a grade i i just want you all to do the best that you individually can and i asked my daughter then i said because she just come from a, a school that was really detrimental to her mental health and i asked her i said so how do you feel about that and she said yeah that was really weird you know and and i said but how did you feel hearing from the teacher? Because she hears from me a lot. You know, I don't necessarily need you to get an A grade. She, she does karate at national level. And I said, you know, you don't have to go off and win all those those gold medals. It'd be great if you could be an Olympian at some point. But, you know, you do the best you can. So we giggle about that. But I said, but in school that you've actually got a teacher who's there, right? Who's there. He's supposed to teach you the content. And he comes along. And he says, it doesn't matter to me the grade you get. You do the best you can. How did you feel about that? And and she said, you know, she thought about it. And she said, yeah, it, it is kind of weird. But but that was a good thing. That was a good thing to hear. And That's amazing. I'm glad that your daughter is now in, in a better school. And, you know, that's something that we also have to be aware of, that this new generation, mental health, it might be because of COVID or because we're seeing so many conflicts around the world right now, but this newer generation, they're much more aware about uh, mental health than I think previous generations. Also mental health now 
it's something that um, it's it's becoming less of a taboo, maybe because of, of I think how, it's less of a taboo. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, th that might be in the beginning, might be weird for them, but they do appreciate it very, very much. And actually, um, some students, this is a conversation that I also had last semester with some of my students that they were talking about how in at the university they were saying, you know what, Luis, I don't we don't get any information on how to deal with all of these, um, you know, tests and how to organize ourselves, how to um, kind of manage this stress coming from at the end of the semester, they always have so many projects and final exams and all of these things. And, and they always are very, very stressed. And they say, we don't know how to manage that, how to deal with this. And, and no one tells us how to do it, you know, and this is our first year here at the university. How are we supposed to talk about it or how are we supposed to deal with it? And um, that's something that really tells you that students are hyper aware of their needs. They're voicing their needs. But, um, you know, institutions, again, circling back to that idea that the importance of social emotional learning, institutions are not, are still not addressing the needs of students beyond academics. And, and that's not what education should be in today's reality. Education, in my view, education should be about the, the whole uh, person, not half of it. Again, academics for me is yep. only 50%, but about the whole person, 100%. How are we educating the person for academic success? but also for social emotional learning uh, success, social uh, effective success, right? So dealing with right. issues, learning from uh, experiences that might not be, like you're saying, uh, you said before, not kind of ignoring something, but even if it's something that you do not want, how can I use this as a learning experience to be able to learn from it so it doesn't happen again? Or what strategies can I develop to deal with situations like this in the future? That's the only way that we learn in life, right? And yeah. um, those are things that schools are not teaching us. And how, how to communicate, isn't it? I mean, there's also that, I think it's something also that I said before, there's, there's this dichotomy, I call it a hierarchy, and I wasn't happy with, 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 with that word. But this dichotomy, you're the teacher, you're the educator, we're the students, um, you say what we want, we nod our heads, and if we have questions, we don't say anything. And, and I think a lot of the time why we don't get the kind of relevant or essential feedback from, from our audience, from our learners, is perhaps simply because they don't know how to say it or don't know whether they should or simply don't have the confidence. Yes, and, and you know, we know uh, 100%, we know in research that especially when students are able to connect at a, at a more respectful, deeper level with teachers, their learning increases, their academic success increases, but it has to start with social emotional learning, making, establishing successful, respectful relationships with teachers. And that's how actually they, they are able to then effectively teach uh, and learn academic uh, information or content. So that's something else that we can think about when we think about social emotional learning, the fact that the foundation of learning is mutual respect, mutual appreciation, human connection. And that's something that um, we have ignored in education. We just go straight into academic teaching and learning. Yeah. It doesn't work as we see in research. Yeah, that and what you say, right? That establishing that safe space, that coexistence. I have a funny story to finish off. I teach five classes of the same. So I have a class called Grammar Workshop. They're all first semester university students and last week no the week before I taught the five groups 
I teach three of them on a Tuesday, no, two of those groups on a Tuesday and three of the groups on a Friday. On Tuesday, I taught, you know, I had my lesson plan. I went in and I taught and I went, da 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 I taught past time. I taught past tenses in the English language. And we did exercises. And I noticed that on Tuesday, both my groups, everyone looked a bit perplexed. But nobody said anything. So on Friday, I went to class, taught the first group at 10, did the same thing, past tenses. Students looked perplexed, looked a bit puzzled. Some of them were frustrated. And I looked at them and I said, is everything okay? And, and they, they didn't say anything. 12 o'clock class did the same thing. And they didn't say anything. Also the same puzzle reactions and everything. And then I had my two o'clock class and I did the same thing. I started and then, so we start at 2.15 and then at three o'clock a student puts up her hand and she says, um, I have a question. Can I ask a question? And I, I always, when students say, can I ask a question? I go, yeah, I'm not sure if I have an answer though. Right. And then we all giggle, which (laughs) I find um, helps them because when I ask them a question, what I'm trying to show is we don't always have the answers and it's okay not to have the answer. So the student says to me, what unit are we doing? And I go, "Um, past tenses unit. 23 and she said but you told us to prepare unit 15 for this week and I said I said really and they said yes it's on Moodle on you know the virtual learning environment and I said really and they said yes and and it was a student who always had her notes and I could see she had in front of her all the material that I had uploaded for unit 15. So I looked at them and I said, why didn't you say anything? Why did you put yourself through this for 45 minutes? (laughs) Right. And we all had a big giggle about it. And then this boy sitting in front, he said in German, he said, yeah, I thought, I thought I'd done something wrong because I didn't have any of the material that you were talking about. So I said to him, I said, but you could have said something. And he said, no, I thought I was the stupid one, you know? And then, and then, so, so I said to them, I said, look, you have to tell me. And then the, the young gentleman, he actually said, he actually said, oh, well, I thought it was going to come at some point. And I said, well, look, come on, it's a 90 minute class. You've done future tenses. And I was talking about past tenses. At what point do you think it was going to come in? Um, So we had a giggle and I said to them, I said, next time you have to say this. You know, I, and you know, I said, I'm, I'm human. I make mistakes too, but yes, you know, and that, that's a perfect opportunity to let them know everyone makes mistakes. Even, you know, us teachers, we make mistakes. We're human. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, and then I said to them and then for the next half an hour, I was, you know, a bit red in the face and a bit embarrassed and I felt very sad and sorry and silly. Right. And, and then, and then I said it to them as well. I said, Oh no, my whole, my whole class is ruined now. I'm feeling really bad about this. And then they said, a few of them said, it's okay. On the upside, at least we don't have homework because we did all the stuff already. And I said, well, there you go. And then I mentioned it. Um, last week to my class, to my Tuesday class, I mentioned it to them. I I told them the story. I said, you know, guys, I have this story to tell you. And do you remember last week when we did unit 
23, we did pastime and you were all perplexed and all that. And then I told them what the young gentleman had said where he, he thought he was the stupid one. And a lot of them nodded their heads. And I said, look, you have to tell me. And I said, and especially, right, if there's a whole row of you and even 20 of you who'd done a different unit and your teacher's talking about something else, you really do have to say it. And I don't mind if you say it, but they're just not used to that. Yes, and, and I think just the fact that you let them know now and that it's okay to come to you, then you're establishing that, that open, you're opening that door, right? To establish yeah. communication that, okay, whenever something happens or I know I can come to my teacher and she'll, she'll be there to, to listen to us. She won't judge us, you know? So that's exactly, that's social emotional learning. And um, again, it, for me, it's more than approaches. It's, it's a pedagogy, right? It's how we approach instruction in general, in addition mm. to activities and, and strategies. So for me, that's uh, social emotional learning in our pedagogy, the way that you approach that situation. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, establishing that safe space. Luis, thank you very much for being with us here today. Um, I will see you around. I will see you soon in March, in a couple of months. And yes. until then, thank you so much and have a very, very good week. Thank you ahead. so much for the invitation. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Luis. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.